Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called but of a gun put into the back of your skull, that's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Wecker, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. And this week we're talking about phones, particularly the iPhone 12, the iPhone 12 Pro. We're going to have a look at the iPad Air and a couple of other uh, models in between. Delighted to be joined by Mark Cavan, a digital editor of Buzz.e and senior assistant editor at The Star. Mark, welcome. Hi, Adrian. How are you? Good. Are you excited about the Excited about the iPhone 12? I am excited about both the iPhone 12 and the iPhone 12 Pro, which I have right here in front of me. For anyone's watching a video, you'll see them. And actually, what's surprising to me is this is the first iPhone launch where I actually think I would recommend the iPhone 12 over the iPhone 12 Pro, even though I have both of them, you know, and the, the 12 Pro has some significant advantages. This is the first time where the 12, they've actually put too much good stuff in the 12, in my opinion, which is good for, you know, punters. But um, it, it's hard to justify buying the 12 Pro unless you really like that stainless steel look or unless you uh, you really do want that extra zoom camera uh, and a little bit of extra screen brightness. There's almost nothing else in the 12 Pro to justify the extra 200 quid, actually 250 quid. Uh, compared to the 64 gigabyte phone, but you'd never recommend getting a 64 gigabyte phone. So comparing the 128 gig variants, it's 200 quid difference. And honestly, this iPhone, this basic iPhone is kind of amazing. It's kind of amazing. Um, Do you remember the old iPhone 4S? Remember that that phone? Sure do, yeah. The iPhone 5. I mean, I think a lot, like, I don't know what you think about this, but for a lot of people, that was the industrial uh, design high point of Apple's handsets. Uh, I love the design. I got very excited when I saw it. I know we, I know we all knew it was coming, but during the event uh, when I actually saw it, uh, I got thrilled by it, and I love that blue color as well. All of the colors um, in all of the uh, the four models are are excellent, and um, it's obviously very similar to the iPad Pro's design and the iPad Air's design as well. Mm. Um, and yeah, it does hark back to that classic sort of industrial minimalist sort of look. Um, it, it also it distinguishes it, yeah, from, because you've probably found this from reviewing smartphones as I have. Almost every new phone we get in is now basically a black 
shiny glass slab. And, it's, and that's when you've got a few of them on the table, it's hard to tell them apart. You can actually tell this one apart because it's a proper rectangle. It's got proper, you know, kind of flat sides. It, it's actually easier to tell than, you know, the Samsungs, Huawei's, OnePlus's, Nokia's, Sony's, wh whatever they may be. Actually, maybe the Sony's slightly different because it has that sort of slim, that slim form factor, you know, that sort of, it, they, they go for the skinny look. But um, yeah, so the iPhone 12 is actually to be recommended over the iPhone 12 Pro. I, I never thought, uh, thought I'd hear myself saying that. It's interesting that you say that last in the year just gone since the 11 came out, the 11, the standard 11 was was a much bigger seller than the, mm. the two pro models. Mm. I've been using, I used the 11 last year and I had the XOR the year before. Mm -hmm. um, the, two, the two things missing would have been the, the difference in camera, but also uh, that full HD OLED screen. Yeah. And I did notice, you know, I did feel at various points throughout the year on the 11, when you're, when you're reviewing sort of 4K Android smartphones with, with top of the range OLED panels, and then you go back to that 720p LED screen, there was, there was a huge difference. So mm. I'm really excited and delighted that they've, they've upgraded the screen on the 12. And I do get your point about the, uh, the difference between the two. Um, you're, you're someone that loves photography. Mm. You take a lot of pictures, and you know, I've in a in a number of reviews, I've I've, I've seen you write about the the need for or for your own personal needs, the uh, the versatility in the camera range. So, if you if you were buying um, the iPhone 12, would you go for the Pro over the 12? I'd go for the Pro, and you've hit the nail on the head. And the reason I'd go for the Pro is exactly uh, for for that reason because I'm into photography and I need that extra zoom. I need that third that third zoom lens there. I need it. Uh, now it's not actually a very uh, a very deep zoom lens. It's only a two x optical zoom lens. Apple says it's four x, but what they're doing is they're it's four x of the ultra wide of the zero point five x. So it's actually a two x optical zoom. Almost every other phone manufacturer's flagship will give you more three x, four x, five x. Huawei's very good at that. Samsung's pretty good at that. Um, and yet, I still need it. I definitely need that zoom for my own uh, personal reasons. Is that worth an extra 200 quid? It is to me, but it's not going to be to 95% of people. What I'm really waiting for is the iPhone 12 Pro Max because that has um, what they call sensor shift uh, optical stabilization. It's ba it's like a DSLR camera. It, the, the stabilization. Stabilization on iPhones has always been brilliant for video. If you walk down the street with an iPhone in your hand and another phone in your other hand, and you're just walking normally, you've, you've no gimbal or anything like that, and you look back at the footage from the two phones, three times out of four, the iPhone footage will be smoother. Not always, but mostly. This is going to take it, to, uh, take it up another notch with the iPhone 12 uh, Pro Max because it has this extra stabilization technology. Like Apple is making, phone, uh, making phones now that actually can genuinely be used as proper B-roll or A-roll professional cameras. I mean, when you, when you combine that with the 10-bit um, HDR uh, that in Dolby Vision that is capable on these, uh, uh, on, on these, uh, these iPhone 12 uh, devices, and in the, on the 12 Pro, you can shoot in what they call Pro Raw as well now. Um, that's not Mickey Mouse stuff. That's actually professional big screen photography and videography. Uh, certainly as a B, a B cam, maybe even an A cam. And the problem is here is because I'm a vain individual, I imagine that that's what I'm going to do with it, which, which of course I won't. 
But I love the idea. I love waking up in the morning and looking down at my smartphone thinking, I'm going to go out and make, you know, something incredible today. And I love the idea that I have a tool in my pocket that lets me do that. So yes, that's why I'll spend the extra 200 quid. But I'm telling you, for the vast majority of people, I mean, what are you getting for the iPhone 12 Pro over the iPhone 12? You, you're getting, you're getting steel. You're getting steel. Okay, you you are getting steel. You're getting this lovely uh, steel finish, um, which is on the right here. If you're looking at this on, on the website, you get the steel finish, and versus the aluminium here on the uh, on the on the iPhone 12. But other than that, and other than the camera, there's almost nothing else you're getting. Uh, does does the lidar scanner have you noticed an improvement in your in your zoom photography? I, I haven't ostensibly noticed it yet, but I've only been using it for a few days. So you know, t- to be fair, one of the things have you found a difference with five G yet? I mean, the other big feature, the other big feature with the iPhone twelve is five G, and yeah, I've taken it out and I put a five G SIM in it, and and yeah, I get faster speeds, same as kind of with any other phone. I I don't know that it's much of a seller. I don't think it's a, it's a feature that really sells any phone at the moment. Yeah, I mean, if you we both live in Dublin City and um, we're kind of blessed with with really really good uh, 4G speeds in mm. Dublin. Um, so you know you have to you, you certainly have to go close to the mast to to really do a speed test on on the 5G network and and see you know a huge difference. And there are only pockets of uh, pockets of areas around Dublin where mm. where there are. Where there are masks now, um, for, I, I suppose if you look at the bigger picture, uh, what a lot of the American commentators are saying about Apple embracing five G, no, almost reinventing five G, um, is it will it will probably you know open up the network a lot quicker maybe in America than it might have done, mm. and hopefully uh, in Europe we'll see a similar knock on effect. I mean, obviously the rollout of five G has been held up this year with with COVID. Three were very slow start starting off. Mm. They only launched a month ago, yeah. Um, and I think that was on the cards for earlier this year. But Vodafone and Air have, you know, they've had a good head start on three, but I don't think they've made much headway in the last few months. No. Certainly from my experience around Dublin, there, there no. doesn't seem to be. No, they haven't. And um, even when you are close to a 5G cell, you, unless you're doing a speed test, you typically don't really notice it. Like, no matter what you're using, even if it's 4K video on YouTube or Netflix, you don't, I, I, I don't notice anyway when it goes from a 4G cell to a 5G cell. I don't notice any difference in the actual performance of the phone. Ironically, on the iPhone 12, the 5G does use a little bit more battery power. That's why they have this thing, this smart switching. So it's supposed to switch back from uh, 5G to 4G when it detects that you don't need 5G. There's a setting, there's actually a setting that you, that you can adjust uh, whether you just want to stay on 4G or 5G all the time or, or uh, a smart adjustment. But um, the, the, I, don't, I don't see it as a, as a sales tool yet. Um, well, it is in terms of future-proofing. Like if, you're, if you're walking into a shop at the moment and you're going to splash out between... Mm. Eight nine hundred euro and fifteen sixteen hundred euro, depending on which model you go for. Um, you want a phone that's future proofed. Five G, I think, will be big. Maybe not next year. Probably two thousand and twenty two. Um, but people are buying phones now and holding onto them maybe for three years. So mm. you certainly wouldn't want to be spending a thousand euro on a phone now that only has four G. That's what true. I yeah. By the way, one interesting point about five G is in the states, a lot was made about the side of the uh, the the iPhone. The, which has a little window, uh, and that's for the millimeter wave 5G. And you don't get it, of course, on the European 
models because there is no millimeter wave here. Now, the thing about that is, as I understand it, I'm not, I'm stand to be corrected if anybody from Apple is listening to this, millimeter wave is more expensive. And there's a kind of a, they call it a 5G tax built into the, uh, the iPhone 12 in the States, which is one of the reasons, maybe one of the reasons why it doesn't come with a charger or earphones in the box. Although we know, of course, it's for environmental reasons. Um, uh, well, look, it could be for environmental reasons. I mean, th- th- to be fair, Apple does have a decent record uh, on on the environment. But um, one thing that struck me was that the pricing difference in Europe versus the States is not significantly different to what it was last year or the year before. And yet the American phone would seem to be more expensive to build because it has that millimeter wave built in. So it's interesting to me that maybe there's a slightly higher margin <laughs> of the European iPhone 12 phones than there's off the American ones. Possibly. I can give give them credit where it's due, whatever the motives for taking the charger mm. and the cable out. Um, it is beneficial to the environment in many ways, so we should applaud. It, it's, a fair, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. We live in a cynical era, though, where, where you know, big companies' motives are often um, questioned. And the fact, I suppose, that the I suppose the price of the device hasn't, re- it, I mean, it's not necessarily cheaper now you might argue that you know there's 5g chipsets and everything make it more expensive but it's not necessarily cheaper so you'd wonder if it's for green reasons then maybe the price would come down but as i said uh, we're in a pandemic it's more expensive to build and deliver things at the moment so there may not be a relationship between the pricing and the environmental thing but just a thought you know just a thought um speaking of which i know you had you got an ipad Air, I thought. Th- at least I thought I saw you unboxing one. I- I've been playing. Sure, I sure did. Yeah, playing and reviewing with one for in this nice tinted green. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I'm lucky enough to have a green one too, um, and I it's it's an absolutely gorgeous machine. I mean, for the price it is, and for what for what you're getting, I'm sure you've done benchmark tests yourself. I have, yeah. I- I know they don't tell the whole story, and sometimes video YouTubers uh, make make a big deal out of benchmarking tests because uh, mm. real world tests are are, are better uh, indication of the power and speed. But boy, is it fast! It it really is um, because it has the same chip as the iPhone uh, 12, which is that new uh, A14 Bionic that they have, which is incredibly fast. Um, interestingly. Because I have an iPhone, uh, uh, an iPad Pro 11, and I compared the two of them in terms of speed. And the iPhone, uh, the iPad Pro 11 inch is still marginally faster, even though it has a slower chip. And that's because it has a lot more RAM. It's a lot more RAM in it. And it also has uh, a lot more cores. It has eight cores versus four cores. The one interesting thing I really found about the iPad Air was this is the first iPad, the first touchscreen uh, device, work device that I've ever used that's skewed towards left-handers. W- what I mean by that is the on the iPad uh, uh, Air, as as an as in any any uh, uh, any iPad or, or iOS device, you'll see that the um, it comes with this it comes with this touch ID button here at the top, right? That one there, and so instead of having a big button on the screen, like the old iPads, it moves it to the power button. Okay, now that's fine. But when you connect it physically to a keyboard, where is that power button? Where's that touch ID? It moves up to the top left corner 
of the screen. So to open and close it, to unlock it, or to, to perform those other tasks, you're now having to do it with your left index finger, not even your thumb, your left index finger. So um, what was the name of the? Oh, Ned Flanders. Ned Flanders and his Leftorium would be proud. This is the first left-handed computing device I've ever used. I, I'm I'm left-handed, so I have I've enjoyed the benefits of that this week. I'm I think a lot of people though use use the iPad as as a as a tablet without the keyboard attached. Yourself and myself and and others mm. might use it for work a lot. I certainly use it for 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 work-related uh, tasks a lot. So therefore, I'd have the keyboard connected a lot of the time. Mm. But you would find that a lot of people don't don't attach a keyboard. So in that case, um, it's maybe not. A skewed towards left-handed people. Yeah, no, I, 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 I see where you come from. I, I mean, you're right. When I'm reviewing these things, I do have a bit of a bias towards people who will want to do a little bit more than, uh, you know, watch Netflix, uh, browse uh, social media, Amazon. All of that. I, I, I am a slightly but that that if there is a bias in my reviews, um, that way. Um, the only other thing I noticed, the only other main, the actually only real difference I noticed between the iPad Pro and the iPad Air, despite the fact there's 200 quid in the difference, 230 quid in the difference, is the screen on the iPad Air isn't quite as bright on the iPad Pro. And I did notice that because I was, you know, out the back working and I noticed it kind of right away because it, it automatically goes up to the maximum brightness. Wasn't as easy to, to see stuff. Not an issue when you're indoors. The And the other thing, when you're swiping between uh, screens, you do notice the lack of that ProMotion screen, the lack of that 120 hertz uh, refresh rate. Um, Apple told me, I, I wouldn't have guessed this, but Apple told me that um, the USB-C transfer speed on the iPad Air is only half what it is on the iPad Pro. It's, I think it's five megabits per second versus 10. So if you're a videographer or photographer, you might notice again. And what's interesting to me is those particular things do actually add up for a case to the iPad Pro. Because if you look where the iPad Air is priced, it starts at, I think, €667 Euro in Ireland. And that's for, I think it's a 64 gig model for that. I think there's two models, 64 gig and 256. So it's 667 for that. If you look where the iPad 8th generation, which is the basic iPad, is priced, it's around 480 or something like that, 470 And then the iPad Pro starts at around... 900. So the iPad Air is perched almost bang halfway between those two models. And yet in functionality and looks and feel and the accessories you can use, it's way closer to the iPad Pro than it is to the original iPad. But those specific niche things, the screen refresh rate, screen brightness, USB speed, and also the storage options, the fact that you can only get it in 64 or 256. If you're if you're into work, you're probably not going to be happy with, with 64. You're going to want a 256. And that brings you up to, I think, around 800 euro or something uh, or, or more. So now you're, so it's interesting. Apple, they're no fools. You know, they know what they're doing with their, with their pricing. Is it, is it a clever way of introducing people to the, 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 the pro model? Maybe is it, is, it, is it now sort of an entry level pro model? That's, ex I mean, the, the, the way I described it in my review was as an iPro, iPad Pro Lite. For me, it's for somebody who is thinking of a good iPad that if they want to, they can do a bit of light work on, or they want a little bit more um, than they would get from the basic iPad. 
but they're just not going to fork out 900 quid and then have to look for more for keyboards or Apple pencils or anything like that. Um, I think for, you know, for students who have a bit of money, um, it, this is the obvious choice. Uh, for people who are kind of working at home, but maybe they they already have a large laptop or a PC with a big monitor and they want something literally to be working around the house, but they don't want it to be too flimsy. They want something that is kind of, they basically want an iPad Pro, but they can't justify spending a grand for an iPad Pro. I, I think that's what this is. I think this is what it's for. I, I agree with you. I think this is a great, this is an amazing, a fantastic device. And a, a big shout out to the, uh, the the smaller child, the eight generation standard iPad, which mm. if you, I know the basic model is only 32 gigs, um, but if you if you were clever with how you use your storage, um, that could be enough. Um, it wouldn't be for the likes of yourself or myself, but for, for someone like my mom, what you can do with that machine for 382 euro is just incredible yeah it's it's fantastic it's very very capable um it's again apple has slightly overpowered it in terms of uh you know three or four years time that will still be able to rip through stuff that almost anybody uh is using um i i couldn't agree with you more while while you're doing shout outs i promised gavin sound engineer I should mention that uh, thank you to the National Newspaper uh, of Ireland um, for shortlisting this podcast for Best Podcast of the Year. So that's uh, that was kind of nice. We're the only ones from the Irish Independent um, to, to get that. Did Congratulations you, to you both of that. Did, did you know that this is now the most, not the longest running, but the most by episodes podcast in the Irish Independent. I think we're up to about 155 now. <clears throat> Almost exactly three years. And did you know we haven't missed one week? Three years has flown in. It doesn't seem like three years at all. Sure three years, 155, 156 episodes. You've been on three or four of them, at least. Oh, good for you. Yeah, yeah, good for you, yeah. Maybe it was, uh, maybe, maybe the ones they were reviewing when they decided to shortlist it were the ones that you were on. It's possible. The awards are, uh, in general, the awards are very hotly contested this year. I was a judge on one of the categories for the first time, um, Broadsheet Feature, and the standard of some of the writing is just excellent And, and, and in every category this year. I mean, there's some really good guys that, that didn't get the nod this year, but it's it's just because uh, yeah. the standard of Irish journalism across the board for everything from business, uh, your specialist area, um, to sports, to general mm. news, and, and those broadsheet features, as I say, absolutely great this year to see such a high standard in Irish journalism. Yeah. Anyway, look, right, that's our little three minutes of slapping ourselves on the back. Um, um, you've what other phones have caught your uh, your eye over the last few weeks? Um, this week, I reviewed the uh, the OnePlus 8T. Um, it's an interesting phone in that w- once you get it up and running and you use it, it, it does exactly what OnePlus have been doing for the last number of years. It gives you an almost complete flagship experience for the price of a mid-range phone. Mm. To buy it outright SIM-free, it's €619. Euro. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's almost camera- exactly the same price as the Pixel 5. But the camera experience on this, on the 8T, is you know, the same as many other OnePlus phones. It's it's not quite there. Now, it's not terribly poor, but mm. the main camera is is 
is good, but the ultra wide on it's not particularly good. And then mm. there's two sort of lenses that you're never going to use just so they can say it's a quad camera setup. Now the OnePlus 8 Pro has a really superb uh, camera system across the board. They have two really good uh, sensors on it, a much newer Sony sensor and a, a 48 megapixel ultra wide that you would love. But the AT comes up short in the camera department, but in every other way, it's got the 865 processor. It's got heaps of storage. It's got 12 gigs of RAM or up to 12 gigs of RAM. For 619 euro, you can't go wrong. It's, it's mm. an absolutely fantastic device. But when it came out, um, I noticed a lot of the reviewers and a lot of the coverage, because it didn't really have a headline-grabbing feature other than the 120 hertz refresh rate display, um, they didn't. it was sort of seen as a not very exciting phone, like they haven't done anything new, because obviously the 8 Pro earlier this year had the 120 hertz display. And the only other new thing... Uh, which stands out as the 65 watt charger, mm. which you would have you would have experienced on the the Oppo, Oppo Reno. Yeah, Reno 4 Pro. Yeah, I mean, 35 minutes to charge your phone—it's just unreal. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned that um, the so Oppo is a brand that probably a lot of Irish people aren't familiar with. Uh, when I was in Shenzhen in China last year, you know, Oppo along with Huawei and Xiaomi, Oppo was one of the big. Uh, smartphone brands they have their own shops the, they 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 sell other stuff as well um and they've just opened here in Ireland it's actually a guy who used to work in Huawei Thomas Mason who is now running the shop here and they've launched i think two or three phones here in in Ireland um they will have, they will have three there's there's yeah. two that's been publicly launched and then there's there's a budget phone coming soon so i uh, the one that uh, I was looking at, I think you were looking at as well, is the Oppo Reno 4 Pro. And it's a nice phone. It's not cheap, is the only So it, it's, it has a lot of good specs on it. Good, a lot of storage, very nice display, nice shape, although kind of identical to um, Huawei's uh, phones and, and some of the Samsung phones, but that's not a bad thing. You know, it's, it's kind of a generic shape, the curved glass at the side. Um it's not cheap, though. I think it's uh, it costs around seven ninety nine. Was that the price for it? Yeah. The only thing about that is, um, I, I, I manufacturers call that the headline price. But I, I had a conversation with Thomas about that because um, when you compare it to the likes of the Pixel Five or the Oppo, or sorry, the OnePlus Eight T, mm. it does seem expensive. But he wow. sell many of those phones at all at that price. That his his target audience and what he's been sort of driven to do. Um, is to get it into the network operators on a 60 euro a month tariff. He says that's the most popular tariff in Ireland. Mm. And he tells me that more phones are sold that way than by buying them outright for, mm. say, 799 or 690. That's interesting. From that point of view, yeah. I suppose the price maybe, maybe doesn't come into it. But I would say maybe it, it, if you take it and you take the OnePlus 8T and you take the Pixel 5, they are three absolutely outstanding phones for the price. If you, you know, in general, they fall between 600 euro and 800 euro. And, you know, they have different strengths. The, the camera on the Pixel, I think we'd all agree, is probably superior, certainly superior to the OnePlus. Um, and I, I actually like the, the camera on the Reno. You made an interesting point in your review about the image stabilization. Mm. I, don't, I don't notice uh, that missing so much when I'm, when I'm taking stills. I've been very impressed with the, the night mode on it in particular. And um, overall, I think the camera on it's very, very good. But those, those three phones, if you were to buy any of those, we, we have the luxury of testing mm. all the new kit and, and comparing them to each other. But if you're an average punter and you go into a three mobile or a 
Vodafone and you buy any of those phones, uh, you're not going to be disappointed at all because they really are excellent. When you compare them to the Note 20 Ultra or maybe the iPhone 12 Pro Max and the price, um, what you're getting is not you know, a third of, of the power or the speed. You're, you're getting really, really good handsets. Mm, yeah, I mean, the only... Uh qualification to that i would make is that the iphone 12 mini which is coming out next month which essentially has almost the entire power of the iphone 12 which is a 900 quid phone a 900 plus is coming out for around 815 so it's going to be priced at the same as the oppo reno 4 pro now it has it's it's smaller it has a 5.4 inch display compared to i think it's 6.5 or 6.6 on the maybe even 6.7 on the the Reno 4 Pro. But you're into that uh, price bracket. For me, the best value new smartphone in terms of euro for euro, if money is tight, for me has been the Pixel 5, the Google Pixel 5. Um, it's the dullest looking of all the phones by a long way. Like it's positively boring to look at, to pick up. It kind of feels a bit plasticky, and even though I don't think it is plastic. Um, I think it's coated aluminium, but it's it feels kind of boring and it looks like almost retro. It looks like a phone from three years ago. But for what you're getting, it costs six hundred, just over 600 euro, I think 618 euro. And uh, the camera on it's very, very good. It's very fast. The screen on it's very good. You get good storage. And because it's so tightly integrated with uh, Google's uh, Google's own software, Everything just works really, really smoothly. If it was another 150 or 200 quid, I'd say mm, they're a little bit cheeky charging that much. But at that price, if, if money is, is tight, I, for me, the Pixel 5 is probably the best value phone uh, of the flag, flagships you can get at the moment. It's going to face stiff competition, though, is it not, from the Pixel 4a 5G, which is not on sale yet. I think it goes on sale on the 19th of November. I could be wrong on the exact yeah. date there. Um, that's, I think, 130 euro or something less yeah, expensive. Yeah, it's 490. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just under 500 quid, yeah. yeah. And it has, a, it has a lot of the same features. Now, not everything, but it mm. has a lot of the same features. That, it does, and it actually, ironically, has a slightly larger screen, which um, is kind of funny. Uh, I, I don't fully understand why they did that. Um, I think maybe they guessed that the, I think it's a six, is it a 6.1 inch screen or six inch screen on the, the Pixel 5? I think they figured that that was the sweet spot for most people. Um, so that they uh, they kept it at that. But I think you're right. And, and sure, look, even the Pixel 4a itself, which is, I think, is it under 400 quid? I remember reviewing that phone six, eight weeks ago. And for what you're getting there, that is an unbelievable deal. That is a great phone for that kind of money. Um, and if you don't need the 5G, um, you know, you, you, you can't really go wrong with that. Yeah, but I, I would agree with you. I think it is going to face competition from its own. Its own uh, one, of the things that, one of the things I like about the Pixel 5, now I, I, like yourself, would be a fan of bigger screen phones. I like the extra screen real estate. We, we tend to use our phones a lot for, for work-related tasks, so the bigger screen does come in handy then. But one of the most appealing features to me about the Pixel 5, I was surprised by, is actually the size and how easy it is to use one-handed. And I'd say the same for the Oppo Reno 4 as well. It's it's a very slim and light phone that you can use one-handed quite easily. Um, given that iPhone is, is bringing out an iPhone 12 mini for the first time, do you think that maybe heralds the start of a shift? Have we reached peak large phone? Are we going to see a shift towards smaller handsets over the next couple of years? No, I don't think we've reached peak large phone. I'd Sorry, I don't think we've reached peak large screen yet. 
um, we may have reached peak large in your hand device, but not peak large screen. And I'll, I'll give you one reason why. If you look at the, to take the iPhone 12 as an example, um, I'll just take the, the iPhone 12 Pro here. If you look at it here, you will see, see there's a, a, pick, a border, a bezel around it. There still is a bit of a bezel and I'm expecting that in the uh, 12 Pro Max as well. That means that they can still increase the size of the display uh, in a future iPhone while not increasing the size of the device. So the 12 Pro Max is a 6.7 inch screen. That's the biggest display that Apple's ever put on one of their phones. Don't forget, we all thought that a five and a half inch screen on the iPhone 6 Plus or the iPhone 8 Plus was huge. It was a fablet. Oh my God, how will anybody ever survive with that? Now they've got a 6.7 inch screen um, you know, on, on the 12 Pro Max. And you're seeing the same from the likes of the Note. I think the Note 20, uh, was it 6.8? 6.8, maybe 6.9. I think we will hit the seven inches. <laughs> I think we'll hit seven inches. Um, that's a great phrase, isn't it? Um, so I don't think we've reached peak uh, phone size, phone screen size yet. And I don't think we're going back into some magic age of, oh, do you know what I really miss? I really wish I had a four inch phone. I, I don't think we're going back there at all. Even the people you know, if you think of yourself, even the people you know who you hear say that, as soon as they get used to a five or six inch, inch phone, they themselves don't go back to a four inch phone. Because you could, you could go, you, you, take the iPhone range. Apple still sells uh, the iPhone SE. It, it, it was a refreshed phone. They only brought it out this year. The iPhone SE, it's a 4.7 inch screen phone. I mean, if you want a small screen, there you go. There are two other phones that I've been uh, testing recently. Um, one was, we might've mentioned it on the last podcast I was on, was the, the Zenfone uh, Pro 7. Because Oh, really yeah. Showing off the flip-up mm-hmm. screen. I, I really love that now. That's that's one of my favorite Android devices this year. Now, it's a little bit more expensive than the, than the mid-rangers we've just talked about. I think it comes in at 899 and mm-hmm. you can only buy it in DID Electrical, mm-hmm. which if you factor in what, what Thomas, someone in the industry, said to me and what I referred to earlier, and, um, you know, they're not in the main network operator, so I wouldn't imagine it's a phone that's going to have a huge uh, market share at the end of the year. But in terms of speed and power and the camera, um, it's just fantastic. The only thing about having those rear cameras on the selfie camera is um, sometimes they can show up um, things that you might not want to be showed up if you're not. Because they're too good. (laughs) The detail's too, too good. Yeah. Uh, that's true. Although I, d- I do notice that uh, there is a trend to try and boost the selfie cameras, actually even more than there is the rear cameras these days. That's a fantastic phone. And the Sony Xperia 5 Mark two. II, or the 5 II as they call it, mm. uh, which I've, I've only had for about 10 days or so. Um, the difference between it and the one that you reviewed recently, the, the, the Xperia 1 II, yeah. is... It doesn't, have, it doesn't have it doesn't have a 4k screen it has a full hd but it has 120 hertz refresh rate which mm. is the first time a sony device has it's got some improvements to the camera system as well and um, it's still i think very much a phone that's pitched towards content creators rather than the average joe soap that might walk in i I, I don't get that though i don't get their pitch there i don't i have it here i mean it's it it, it actually has a lot to say for in terms of its ergonomics because you could it's kind of easier to hold because it's a skinny phone I don't get their pitch that this is somehow for content creators. Yes, the camera on it is decent. It's it is it's good. Like Sony makes most of the uh, camera sensors for almost every other manufacturer, um, so it it is good. But the idea that content creators 
don't use iPhones or Samsungs. I I, I just don't get that. And um, the, the big difficulty I had with the Xperia 1, 2, which by the way, Sony, could you ever come up with some more sensible uh, phone names? Really? The you know, the 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 Xperia 1, 2, really, you know? Um but the the big problem I had with that is they pitched it largely on its ability to get under the hood of the camera and and you know tinker around with with the uh, with the settings there. The two issues were number one, the way that you did that, the way that you tinkered around with the settings, it was very very difficult to get optimal results compared to a snap in my experience using it. Um, and also, that is not necessarily what you would use a smartphone camera for if you want that level of control, you are going to get a professional photography tool because that phone costs like 1300 or 1400 euro. It's this, it's, this is not something that, and, and it wasn't better from a photography point of view than, for example, a Samsung S20 that cost 900 euro. It just wasn't. The, the performance of the lenses, the sensors, the way, the way I tested it anyway. Um, it, it wasn't better. I was very, very disappointed in that phone. And th- this phone is better. The um, the Xperia Five Two in terms of because you're paying a lot less, and the 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 camera performs it isn't noticeably worse in my in my view. I also think it's going to be much more widely available. In fact, I th- I think the predecessor, the Xperia One Two, wasn't available in Ireland at all except online. Mm. But the Xperia Five Two is going to be in a couple of the operators' air uh, in the next couple of weeks if it's not in store already. Um, and price wise, it certainly is a lot more affordable. Now, I don't know if you saw the uh, Marquez Brownlee video recently on the Sony Xperia One Two, and he made some very very interesting points. I I, I do think the last three or four handsets that they put out have been really, really good phones and they are sort of a little bit different to what everyone else is doing and that maybe we should, you know, embrace that and it is good for for any company to Just to have diversity, yeah. But MKBHD, he made the point, as many kind of reviewers have made, that Sony has a big job to do in terms of smartphones with regard to marketing um, to take an example and this is probably a little bit unfair so i do apologize kieran if you're listening and um, the apple event recently for the launch of the iphone had two and a half million people at one point mm. watching live stream on youtube but that doesn't account for all of the people that may have been watching on apple devices iphones ipads through other mediums than youtube or if you have an apple tv at home as i was watching uh, the event on two and a half million people on YouTube live stream. The YouTube live stream for the launch of the Xperia 5 Mark II had 9,000 people watching at its peak. So that's that's a measure of the job that Sony has to do. And Marquez Brownlee made that very good point. But uh, like him, I think it would be really great to see Sony you know, getting that right because I, I do think we need a bit of diversity and we do need smartphones that can do stuff a little bit differently. Mm. I don't think the Xperia 5 II is a phone for the mainstream in the same way that, as you just said, the Xperia 1 II wasn't a phone for the mainstream. Yeah. But it's still, it's still good that people are making them. Like gaming handsets, they're not for the mainstream either, but they've got some pretty amazing features. Yeah, and also, if you're into gaming, you know that about if the gaming handset launches, like you mentioned Asus there, I was road testing the, the Raj 3 there a few weeks back, and gamers know about that phone you will know when one of those phones will come out if you're a content creator or you're making you're not necessarily going to know that the xperia one two has come out now it's complicated with sony because i'm very sentimental about sony i actually like sony as a brand and i don't I'm not just saying that i bought a new telly and when i the, the lockdown was coming we've had a sony tv as our main tv for 10 years 
not 4K, because you know, 4K wasn't around then. It was 1080p, 40-inch telly. Very nice, performed very well. Um, I went to buy a new one last weekend. Knew the lockdown was coming, wanted to treat ourselves. And I said, listen, do you know what? I'm going to buy an OLED. I'm going to like really push the boat out. I did my research. I had bought a mid-range Panasonic last year um, for, for, another, for another room and liked it. It was, it was grand. And I quite liked the idea of, you know, Panasonic, I like the way Panasonic do things. And Panas- the, the, one of the big retailers, Harvey Norman, have this incredible deal uh, where they're selling last year's absolute top Panasonic TV, which everybody said was the best TV launch last year, which was the GZ2000. They're, they're selling it for more than, like less than half price. Now it's still four figures, but it's, it's a huge uh, discount. And on my way driving to the store, I actually thought to myself, you know what? I don't want to get a Panasonic TV as a main TV next year. I want to get a Sony TV. I actually like Sony. Sony is an audiovisual company. They're, they're rarely first or at the cutting edge anymore, but they do things really nicely. Um, and I'm used to their headphones and everything. But So I got to the shop, had a look at the GZ2000. Uh, uh, great speaker and everything on it, which is very rare for a, t- for a TV. And then I went over and I looked at um, Sony's slightly less respect, but still very good. It's, it's uh, I think it's the A8 model um, and still kind of pretty expensive I, you know, on sale. I bought the Sony. I bought the Sony. And um, I'm, I'm, so far, I'm very, very happy with it at uh, touch wood. So uh, just all this is by way of saying, I don't have anything against Sony. I actually love Sony. I really like Sony. I'm nostalgic. I, I really love the fact that there still is at least one major retail brand that is really big into, you know, hi-fi and audio, visual stuff. Panasonic's the same. You know what I'm talking about. Technics, right? You know? Um, and but But when it comes to smartphones, you need more than that good feeling to sell me a smartphone. You have to be coming with something really distinct. Now, you know, it's not a bad looking phone. Like this is quite a good looking phone. It's a nice shape. It's Sony have have really upped their game in the last year or two. But don't come at me with a 1400 euro uh, phone that only barely matches what flagships 300 euro cheaper uh, are doing and tell me that if I just think about it in the right way as a content creator that I'll appreciate. Like, don't do that. (laughs) Rant over. (laughs) Probably an unfair question to her, let you this late in the podcast, but um, we've talked about a, a vast range of them there. What's been your favorite phone this year? Is it going to be one of the new iPhones? Um, I'd say for value, I have to say for absolute straight out, this is amazing value. I would pick two phones. One would be actually the Google Pixel 4a, which is under 400, and the other is... Um, Earlier this year, Nokia's 5.3 phone, which was 180 quid, which there's nothing about it that's very powerful, but it does everything to a really decent minimum standard. And for 180 quid for a six-inch phone to do all that stuff well, I was really impressed with. It's going to be very, very hard to beat the iPhone 12. I, I'm, I'm just going to say it. I like It's not just because it's the latest thing. It's going to be very hard to beat. I've had the S20 Ultra. I've had the uh, the... The Note 20. I've had all the what the big Huawei's. Um, had the foldables. I had the foldables. Had the Galaxy uh, Fold 2, Samsung's phone. Nice phone. Interesting. 
but still feels like early technology in the sense that you only ever fold it out when you're sitting on the couch or lying in bed. You never fold it out when you're walking out and about. So really what you're what you what you really have is a kind of a skinny, big, thick phone. That's that's really what you have when you buy the, the Galaxy Fold 2. And by the way, you're paying you're paying over two grand for it. So it's very hard to compare that against the iPhone 12, which is more powerful. Um certainly faster according to the benchmarking uh, tests and um yeah so i'd say without wishing to make this an apple love in i'd probably be the same as you um some of the other irish tech journalists um give me gentle stick at times that i get too excited about too many phones and that they're all just smartphones but um no that's I have not to true say the, the iphone 12 I haven't been as excited about a new phone as as I am about that in a long, long time. Um, it's got some really, you know, really fantastic enhancements. Um, it was great to see you raving about the uh, the improvements to the ultra wide camera. Yeah, uh, so it has it has a lens correction uh, feature where where you're using the ultra wide beforehand, you would notice that the side, the, in the corners, it was warping and bending, and it doesn't do that anymore, which is fantastic. Now, that's a software upgrade. It, it's a thing that you can click on and off in settings that you can't do um, in the iPhone 11. But also, computation, it's for some it's handling the light that it lets in just better than the iPhone 11. And the iPhone 11 was good. I mean, it was good at doing this. But the uh, the iPhone 12 is just much better. Also, the night, side, the night mode is noticeably better on the 12 than it was in the 11. And I, I, again, I think that's a computational issue because, uh, which would, which would then beg the question, well, if it's a computational issue, can they not just do a firmware wear update for, you know, the iPhone 11, for example, I'm presuming that's where the, the new chip comes in, the A, the A14 Bionic, I'm assuming, um, unless they're, they're just deliberately trying to keep blue water between those two brands, which is legitimate as well. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't agree with that statement that, you know, all the phones are the same. I mean, if, if they were, then why would anyone buy anything other than that Nokia 5.3 for 180 euro? Like, why? If they were just the same. Like, that's like saying that you, 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 you just need a car. Now, on one level, that's kind of correct. I mean, if you have a Ford Focus, you know, decent, you know, mid-compact car, right? You know, why would you ever need... Um, you know, uh, as something with a little bit more, something a bit bigger, unless you had way more kids or you were you were lugging stuff around. But that's, I mean, that's, um, I, I don't know. I, I, there is there is some legitimacy for that argument, but uh, it's most people don't believe in it because if they did, they wouldn't buy iPhones. You know, I don't know. But that's that's a wider argument. I was doing a presentation this week to Sandyford Business District about uh, working from home. And uh, I was showing a picture of a bungalow in Leitrim and I was gently chiding the mostly middle-aged audience that uh, I was speaking to. All of you people, you keep saying that it's going to be heaven for, you know, young people, that they're not going to have to pay rents in these, you know, one-bedroom apartments anymore in Dublin City and they're free. Well, this is what you get, you know, you you, you get a bungalow in Leitrim or or, or Westmeath or, or Roscommon and I love those counties, nothing wrong with it. But um, it's it's not as simple as just saying, look, all you need is this and, and, and then you'll be away in hack. There's more to life. There's, you know, life's kind of complicated, you know. Again, second rant over. 
listen, it's been great talking to you today. Aren't we very lucky that we get to try out all of these smartphones? And aren't the customers and the consumers out there very lucky too? Because it really has been a fantastic year for smartphones. Isn't it great? Aren't we great? Aren't and, and isn't the whole thing great? Aren't we lucky to be alive? Aren't we? Isn't isn't shouldn't that the main thing? Of course you're right, and and we are, and we're 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 kind of in a very privileged position. Uh, Mark Cavanagh, thank you very much for joining us today, as always, and thanks for your contributions that have contributed to this podcast being shortlisted in the NNI Awards for 2020. And that is all we have time for this week. So, from me, Adrian Michael, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent, bye bye.